Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 476 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And tonight we have our deep dive episode. It's been a little while since we've had a deep dive, so we're looking forward to getting back into it, having a nice, long, in-depth discussion about a particular topic. And uh, we'll get to the topic here in a minute, but we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves first. Cheryl is on assignment, W5MOO, but I'm here. I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And we're going to let, let's see, Bill, let's, let's see how you do, uh, handling this thing. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to let you, uh, take over and, and, uh, and I guess I'll grab on the reins and, and, uh, pull everything back in line if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, we're lucky to be joined by a, a guest today that has, uh, worked on a, uh, an interesting ham radio contest logging of uh, software that we've talked about in the past, just in, uh, passing and a couple of, uh, 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 listener feedbacks as well, but this is uh, SO2SDR, and uh, we are joined today by Torsten Clay, N4OGW. How are you doing this evening, Torsten? Uh, very good. good. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, give us a little uh, little background on yourself, just so uh, we can get introduce you properly, because I don't have really much information. <laughs> so, okay, uh, so I guess ham-wise, I have been a ham since... 1986. Uh, I operate a lot of contests. So, uh, outside of that, I'm a professor of physics here at Mississippi State University. And so, I actually, I work in in Linux in my in my real 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 job. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> oh, we got to watch our p's and q's now. Jeez, we're gonna get graded on this uh, this episode here. All right, I, I'm, I'm out. I'll see you guys next week. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's great. So, so you're into contesting. So I'm assuming you uh, like like most pieces of open source software. You you started this uh, this application to solve some of your own problems. Right. Yeah. So I, I, there was something I wanted to 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 do, and there was no contest program that did it at all. So I, I decided I had to write my own. Uh, basically, what what the when I decided it was when uh, CW Skimmer came out, uh, which of course, as you know, takes uh, software defined radio and gives you a, a nice picture of the band. It also can decode CW, but I wanted to combine that band scope with a logging program. And at the time, there was nothing that that could do that. And basically, I decided the only way I could do it is if I wrote wrote my own program. Yeah, and uh, uh, let's uh, 
I guess let's talk a little bit about um, the the whole reason you you wanted to do this because you weren't operating a contest normally. I guess we would say like a normal ham or operator would use a single station and a single radio and a single logging type application, but you were doing something different, uh, which requires uh, running a single op and two radios. And that's right, where that's, this pretty, came from. that's pretty common. In fact, you know, I was already doing that before. Um, people were doing it back you know, from the DOS-based programs. Um, so, yeah, so S- SO2R is nothing new, but the idea is I had some ideas about what you could do with the, the software-defined pan adapter, and none of the programs were doing that, right? You know, well, they're still not doing it. So, I again, so I, I had to write my own. Yeah, so, yeah, single op, two radio, so you can work two different bands at the same time and log and switch between the two radios uh and uh, the application and <coughs> interface allows you to to basically have the one radio not transmitting while the other radio is transmitting is that correct right yeah so this is all yeah you're you're only pretty much any contest so not, actually not all contests vhf contests you can uh transmit on two bands but h most most contests you can only transmit on one band at a time so you switch back and forth either calling ctq on one one radio and and looking and search and pounce the other, or actually a lot of people now call CQ on, on two bands at once. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to a, a good friend of mine. Uh, he does a SO2R and he's always, uh, he run, does a run on one, one radio and then he's searching and pouncing on the other radio, which is, I guess the, the hardcore way, right? <laughs> That's the more traditional way to do it. Now, oh, now the hardcore, the hardcore way to do it is to actually run two pileups on two radios. It's much harder to do that. Wow. Uh, but the, the the more traditional way is yeah is to CQ on one one radio and then look for stations on the other. Okay, so now that we got an idea of why uh, why the software exists to solve that problem, uh, let's talk a little bit about the software itself. So it's uh, it's a uh, what, what's it written in? Uh, it's in C plus plus and it uses the uh, Qt library. Okay, so it's uh, it should be cross platform compatible. Uh, yeah, so I originally, yeah, I originally did make a Windows version, but I, I quickly found out, yeah, Qt is cross-platform, but when you're going to write a logging program, you end up having to deal with a lot of fairly low-level stuff, and that was not cross-platform. So in the end, no one was using the Windows version, and I just stopped producing it. Oh, okay, so this is Linux only then. It, it's now, I mean, someone could take it and make a Windows version pretty easily, but you, you, they would need to know, I, I don't know a lot about Windows programming. You know, so for example, there's little things like you want to be able to have, um, to be typing in one window and not lose keyboard focus. And I know I do that Linux, but it's different in Windows. Yes, yes. So there's little things like that which make a big difference, which are, are different between the two platforms. Right, and you also have a feature in this that allows you to run two independent keyboards as well. Right, that's actually, yeah, the, that, the way that is programmed is actually Linux-based because it, yeah, it uses the lib input. Right, and while, while you do that with the two keyboards, it does pretty much lock the keyboard just to that application, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a buyer beware type thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just this is for 
particularly when you're when you're trying to run two pileups on two different radios, it's 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 a little bit easier to have to do it with two different keyboards. I found well, so if other people. Yeah. So uh, so the software is. Uh... I mean, it looks really good in dark mode, so uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and you know, cute, cute normally takes care of uh, it takes care of flipping that back and forth pretty well. And um, I just, I just kind of played around creating a log uh, for just a VHF contest, just to see how how that would actually look on the screen. But uh, looks like you support quite a few different uh, contests. What what kind of contests uh, does this support? Basically, first of all, it's intended to only support, I only really support single operator contests. So it doesn't have any kind of multi-operator contests. And it's really also mostly for CW contests because that's where the, the pan adapter features really work well. And that's what I, I operate my, most myself. Although it does have a, it can record, record voice, for example. Uh, so it doesn't, rec it doesn't support a huge amount of contests, but it's basically the ones that I operate. Well, that makes sense, right? <laughs> so it looks like you have the, the June VHF contest in here as well. And uh, do you have the, the September VHF one? Or I can don't, use the same for it's both. Basically, I just, yeah, I've been meaning to add that, but it, there's such a small difference. It's like there's only a difference in like the uh, points for certain contacts. So I, I don't see this is again i don't operate the september one as much because it's not as not as interesting in my, my opinion but you could just use the june one and i think your score would just be slightly wrong yeah and uh, if you'd use the uh, cabrillo upload or whatever on the right. website it should fix all of that anyway yeah the, the the claim score doesn't really matter so that that is pretty slick um so we were we were chatting earlier about the the uniqueness of this and uh you mentioned the uh, pan adapter and that's where the sdr side of this comes from and uh it looks like you can connect um what m quite a few different sdr options are kind of in here i th yeah i mean i've only really used it with two so i started out using it uh with the audio based um uh pan, pan adapter where you get an iq output and it goes goes to a sound card uh, right now, I, for, for several years, I've been using a, a Fedri SDR, SDR, which is direct sample, and runs over the Ethernet. Okay, so um, so possibly people could get this working with something like you know TCP RTL or something like that as well. It should, yeah. I mean, again, if someone would send if someone sends me one, I can probably get it get it working. <laughs> In general, I, I find with Linux, if you can get an SDR that has an Ethernet port, it's you're more likely to get it to, to get it to work than a, than a USB based one. Oh, okay. So yeah, there's also, I mean, a lot of libraries now that allow you to connect, you know, USB dongles and stuff like that. Uh, via TCP and expose that mm, as a network okay. device. So uh, that's probably something to... Uh, yeah, I've, I've never... It's just with an Ethernet port, it has to be cross-platform. Oh, okay, yeah. With Where the USB is, involves a driver, which is not usually cross-platform. Yeah, so we could we could probably test that out too. I I know I know I have a I have one here that I can set up, but uh, not during this call. <laughs> yep, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, so I was just going through the general configuration here. This is pretty standard uh, when you uh, when you first. Uh, well, let's talk about where we can find the software. The software is available as a, as a GitHub repository. So, yes. So a user would just have to clone it and then compile it on their end. Right, either clone it or you, there's actually a, you can download a release. 
And uh, what what is the specific license this is released under? Uh, it's GPL, I think, V3. Okay, so GPL V3. So, yeah, and it's, it's actually uh, it's really simple to compile. I mean, if you've done any other ham radio software, you probably have all the libraries. <laughs> it doesn't look like it uses anything uh, out of the ordinary. Uh, I just had to do uh, a Q make and then a make and then a make and solve. I, I had one library that was missing, X11 Extras. That was the one, only one I had to put in. Oh, okay, cool. That's probably for the keyboard, huh? <laughs> uh, X11 awesome. Extras sounds like it's video. Is it? Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, but like, yeah, it could be something related, though, because it's all with the uh, capturing the device and stealing it away from the Windows. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure. I had the, I had the uh, the module, the the cute module was installed, but not the dev version to build from. So yeah. So uh, so we got that. Uh, so when you go into the settings, you kind of get into some additional stuff here. I see that uh, you can uh, change the focus behavior on the the keyboard, which we kind of talked about. Um, you also have the ability to connect uh, two different instances of WSJTX. Yes. Because you're going to run it with two radios. Ah, yes. So, yeah, so you definitely can run it with uh, two different uh, WSJTX instances. Mm-hmm. So, And then you also have the two keyboard mode exposed on this. So you can actually lock in those devices. And those devices you want to go by ID, I'm assuming, right? Right. There's a, yeah, um, usually I just end up making a, a sim link because otherwise it's impossible to remember which is which. Yes, and I think we we did an episode on uh, sim linking devices from the from plugging them in. Uh, so uh, users need information on that particular aspect of uh, doing that. So you can go back to that episode. Um, that looks like it for that window. And then the radios we have uh, looks like we're supporting Rig Control D as the interface, or just the straight Hamlet. That's I I don't I just use straight Hamlet. I don't use the Rig Control, but it should work. Uh, okay. I hope. Well, oh, okay. we were so, having a discussion were, about that earlier, yes. and it, it does not work for me. Maybe it's not yet. I have not tried it for a while, so yeah. Okay, so it's not a not a big thing. Let me. Uh, I'm just going to try to connect to Mike because I know I was uh, trying to connect it via um, uh, via um, FL rig, and I know that didn't work right away. <laughs> no, oh, it no, it that's definitely your, doesn't. It should that should not work. That that's Bill's pet FL rig. Yes. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. That's my favorite little rig control. <laughs> Although it has been uh acting weird in the lately, so so I might have to go back and revisit my my actual wanting and desire of using that. But uh yeah, in the radio selection, that's where you set up your two different radios. And that's pretty straightforward configuration and the SO2R, we get into uh uh, some of the specialty stuff here. So uh, we talk about the parallel port, which is the old way of doing it. Um, and it looks like microham devices are supported. But I guess it's a special microham SO2R device. Was the idea behind that just because the parallel port had a lot of pins you could you could work with? Yeah. So the DOS they started with DOS based logging programs. They would you know use the parallel port to send CW or you know various other stuff actually they used they used used to use it used to be used for paddle input yeah okay fair enough i didn't know if the the dual operation thing was just because serial port was kind of limited in some way but uh yeah basically yeah parallel port is more pins basically <laughs> right okay 
And then we have the uh, the OTRSP. So that's See, something so right now I'm just trying to sabotage Bill as what's yes. going yeah. on. <laughs> Open to radio switching protocol. So yeah, can you give us a little little background on that for those that don't know much about it? So it is, as the name implies, it is a protocol um, for devices that would switch between two radios. Typically, you'd have t two radios. You need to switch the audio from those to your headphones and you you know you want to go to one radio the other radio or you want to split it you know one left and one right you also want to you know uh, switch your microphone from one to the other your key output so uh, I forgot who's the guy was it um, the uh, YCCC um, has an SO2R box and the guy who developed that came up with this protocol yeah, that would be a K1MXM, maybe. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, so it's you know it's available, and there's a number of different devices now which support it. Uh, in fact, I, the the one I use it's an Arduino that it uses this protocol. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, is that something that uh, is a project as well somewhere? Uh, it was no, it was not my project. It was in um, NCJ, I think. It's called the SO2R Duino, I think. Is the name of it? Okay, well, we're gonna have to look that up. Why don't you look that up for us? <laughs> I'm sorry. What am I looking at? I'm having a separate conversation. See, I'm, I'm uh, doing. I'm having uh, to fill Cheryl's role as well as my own tonight. So ah, so I have to be doing Arduino. Facebook. So2 Arduino. Yes. <laughs> okay. So2 Arduino. What am I looking up? Just uh, if you just search in Google, the second hit is the NCJ article from 2010 by K1XM. So essentially, you could build your own device. And yeah, it's very uh, easy. <laughs> there's nice instructions uh, here in the non uh, National Contest Journal. That is really slick. Um, so that's where you would set that up for the two different uh, devices. And uh, let's see. Here. Yeah, you only need one. Uh, oh, I, okay. I support two for, yeah, typically you only use one, though. Okay, in case they have like multiple multi multi setups. <laughs> well, for a while, I you, you know, there's a addition to uh, to have a voice recorder and i was thinking oh, about yeah. having a, a, a making a voice recorder version and that was if that was going to be a separate device and i needed to support two, two of these but really most people would only use one because you just need one to do the switching okay that's really neat um also here in the config is cw devices and we have uh, the ability to connect to WinKey or use the uh, cw daemon yes a fairly recent feature like last year or so Yes, yeah, so that's yeah. That is pr pretty recent. Um, I I mostly use the WinKey, but yeah, someone asked me to add the CW daemon, and it, yeah, yeah. And again, you have two different ports for both different radios, so that's that's really nice to set up. And then of course you have the band map set up, which that's where you're going to be hooking into your SDR. Yes, <clears throat> and looks pretty straightforward for your band map one and then you can have a second band map on the uh, other one so right so the, those the band map runs, it's actually a separate executable and oh, then okay. this this the logging program will start it and communicate it communicate with it uh via tcp and udp and you can run two sets of band maps on yes both radios oh, okay you well you, you want one on each radio so there's one on each two. radio okay yeah yeah does the does the regular QMake make procedure build both of the binaries? Yes. Okay. Yes. I don't think the the install though that makes or adds a menu item for the other, right? <laughs> That's just a command line for the uh for the band map. Uh I don't think it does a menu. Yeah. 
Is there yeah, is there one, any way you can add like a lib directory option in the PRI file? A lib directory. Well, what, like right What's now, the if, issue? if uh, instead of installing into user local, I'm installing into opt, and I don't want oh. it to be like in slash opt slash lib and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, there's a common dot PRI in the top level, which has uh, the use. That's where the user local is defined. Right, but if you say if you change it to opt, then you don't have the ability to specify where the libraries and stuff go. It it puts uh, every you know what I'm saying. It doesn't. I think I see what you're saying. Yeah, uh, it would be yeah. It would end up like an opt bin and opt share. Right, which is okay. uh, not not weird. ideal. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I never thought about that. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, if you, do you want me to file a uh, a feature request? Would you... <laughs> yeah, I have to look at. Yeah, they're, they're, I'm sure cute as a way to handle that. I've just never thought about it. <laughs> okay, I'll do that so you can you can worry about that later. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, yeah, and after that, uh, once you have that config, you have the ability to add CW messages, which are your uh, your your F keys, right? Uh, for yes. doing CW modes uh, that everyone's pretty probably familiar with when they're various logging programs that they use. And then you also have uh, a voice messages as well. So there's a voice keyer in there and uh, what's in contest options. Cause I can't see that. Uh, so this is where you would set up things like um, things like if you want to use the call history file or super check partial, or there's some, you know, behavioral things, whether it's going to, what's going to happen if, if someone is a dupe that calls you, uh, there's an option to compute your off times, um, and to set the exchange, which is sent for the contest. Okay. And that's probably because I don't see it because I'm not in a contest right now. Right. So you've got to actually start that. See, this is contest specific. So you actually have to, right. You know, start a contest, you know, open a contest file before that's, that shows up. Okay, that that makes sense. And since I was messing around clicking buttons, it it uh, closed on me <laughs> when I opened up a contest. Uh, already, and then uh, after after you get through all of that, you're uh, you're basically ready to rock and roll. On the top side, you uh, you show uh, multiples, uh, or uh, could be uh, sections. It, yeah, multiple. What, what you're collecting, yeah. yeah. Um, calls would be uh, stuff on the on the right hand side. You can see calls, so that'd be your uh, call history. Right, so it's either uh, you know if if you type part of a call sign, it'll show you ones that you've worked, or if you're using one of these call history files, it will show you call signs which are similar from those files. Right, and those are the ones that would propagate onto your band map um, as you're spinning around, like because uh, you show like the calls next to the uh, right the CW uh, tones and stuff like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that that's pretty standard. Pretty much now too. I've seen that around. Like uh, N1MM does that as well. Um, right. And then uh, you have the score Q. Well, the Q count basically mm -hmm. uh, summary is right below the malts, and then off to the right is just kind of like your log as it runs. Um, yeah. And then on the bottom you have both radios. Uh, the left radio is your radio run, and your right radio is your radio two. Yeah. It also keeps track of your rate and you know, cues per hour, so you can you know make sure you're doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have some status stuff on the bottom. Looks like uh, it shows whether your rigs are connected properly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, other than that, uh, uh, extra windows that you can see in this. Looks like we have um, 
uh, a dupe sheet that you can show for each radio, as well as uh, a DX cluster Telnet client. Right. Now, does the the Telnet client have any special abilities like being able to click into something and it automatically tunes the radio or? Not really. Um, I generally operate unassisted, so I haven't really done much to make it. Basically, all it will do, you can connect to a DX cluster, and then it will put those calls on the band map. That's kind of all the functionality it has right now. Oh, okay. Cool. Because well, normally it does put I don't, it on I the don't band use map. it. What's that? So it does put it on the band map. At yes, least. right. So, okay, that that's pretty slick, too. It's, it's semi-assisted, right? <laughs> you know where people are. Um and then, uh, yeah, you have links to, uh, of course, this typical help and about and then uh, the help page, which uh, basically shows the same uh, same file you have on the website. Yes. Yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty much the uh, the application itself. It's nice, self-contained. And I don't like a lot of separate windows. Yeah. <laughs> it does it does keep it clean and keeps you focused especially when you're doing you know so2r you definitely want to be focused in on what you're doing and you don't want to have to be moving around especially if you're going to bind two keyboards to it you're not going to be switching between windows anyway um what else can you tell us about the so2 sdr that i haven't haven't even well the, the the really key thing is with the band map because that well it does some things which no, no nothing else can do uh, and that's the ability to label stations by color on the map. Not, I'm not talking about the call sign that you, the, the text you put there. I'm saying the actual trace. You can change. You change the trace of the signal. And if you, the idea is, is very simple. If you do this, this is for CW, of course. All the signals are horizontal. If you change the color for the ones you've already worked, then the ones you haven't worked are immediately obvious and this probably does the the worked ones automatically for you right no well when you work them yes it will change their color okay cool so that's <laughs> we don't have to be going back and forth oh i worked that guy <laughs> well right so if you work if you're you're tuning the band you you work somebody or you you type in a call it's a dupe and then it's going to change the color on the band map now if if ten minutes later he changes frequency he he goes somewhere else then obviously then it's you know it's it's not not going to work but what what the the thing is in most contests people stay around one frequency for a while and they're actually quite ac you know quite accurate in frequency they don't they you know don't they don't move yeah so the uh, the uh, the WSJTX integration you say is just for VHF contests, so this would preclude any HF digital mode contests that also would use like FT8 and stuff like that. I've yeah, I've only used it for VHF, but um, so it could possibly work. It could possibly, yeah. I'd have to set up a new contest for the HF. It's it's possible uh, for the VHF. It has a few features which are are nice. You can it gets gives you a call a list of well, basically, it gives you a list of this calls which have been decoded by WSJTX. And one thing I, I, I did, which I think is nice, is you can sort that list in different ways. So, of course, you can have the, 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 the dupes versus non-dupes, but you can also sort it by the time. So, if, if, if it's a call which was decoded, you know, half an hour ago, you may, may not, that's going to be, you want to put that at the bottom. You can decode. It can sort it by signal level, so you can go after the signals which are stronger. 
Uh, I forget what else you can sort it by. Uh, I think those are the main things. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that that would be something Russ would be good at, right? Russ, you, you're you're into sorting your WSJTX stuff. Well, I, I let the loggers sort it. I mean, what am I doing? <laughs> trying to figure out what my logs are. I do this with oh, search and so with, forth. Uh, with, uh, with Grid Tracker, don't you use that to uh, sort like the more probably? It's probably, oh, the, yeah, probably by it, signal. Yeah, I do it by signal just because it's like, oh, if he's like plus 14, it's really easy to work, so I don't have to worry well, about it. Well, this is, you know, VHF contests I found, you know, particularly with it's operating low power, you know, if there's someone who's minus 10 and he's running a kilowatt, I'm not going to be able to work him. So, right. Uh, if you sort it by signal noise ratio, then it, that was a good, you know. Yeah, I, I do uh, that first for my thing. FDA. I sort by dB just because I know the ones that are at the top of the list will be easy to get, and then I might try and work my way down the list. But all right. So how does uh, like with WSJTX and its auto answering thing? Uh, how does that interact with this? Does it automatically grab the call that it grabbed? Uh, let's see. It's been a while. Okay. So what you you just you just um, so when you work someone in WSJTX and you click log, and then it's going to pop up a window from SO, SO to SDR, then you'll, you'll hit enter there and then it'll put it in the log. All right, so you are using the uh, WSJTX interface. So you're yes. Not, okay. Yeah, you are. So the user would be switching back and forth between those windows and that particular yeah. application. So the, the dual keyboard wouldn't work in that instance. Yeah, the dual keyboard is. Yeah, I, I wouldn't use it there. That's really if, if you want to run two pileups and you know or CW. CW. Yeah, CW. Yeah. Now there's a. Uh, let's talk a little bit about using the the application as uh, as the user. So inside of the uh, text window for the call, uh, you can do some other commands in there, like switching your band and stuff. Right. So there's. Um, the this program uses basically the key sequences from TR log because that's what I the program I used for a long time as a DOS program now actually now there's a Linux version of it um, and so it uses the control keys from that program mostly mostly <laughs> so you know, I've added more that. right so but the basic you know commands are the same it's like you know control R changes from one radio to the other tab will you know um, go from CQ CQ mode to SP mode and so on okay and uh, all of that of course would be found in the documentation I'm assuming yeah I hope so hope so <laughs> sure it's documented right yeah oh yeah there's a key full key reference in there for uh, for doing uh, logs and searching and everything else as well as uh, how to set up your uh, CW and uh, single sideband uh, message macros. Right, and there's a few things which you get from Qt for free. Like I think it it understands. Let's, um, well, okay, so, you know, some of the, the the just the the basic keyboard entry stuff. I think it gets from the Q line edit, which is like standard, fairly standard. Um, like if you do control, if you if you had erased a call sign, if you did control Z, it would it would then undo that. Oh, okay, yeah. So there's some of the standard. Standard uh, windowing environment stuff is already kind of there. Right. Like, yeah. It's yeah. So like Control F or finding something and um, Control F will search. You'll search the log. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What else? Let's see. I'm going to go back to the show notes here and see if I'm uh, if I'm missing something at this point. 
Um, so, so what is, uh, so it's on GitHub. So are you open to, uh, people doing pull requests or just wanting issues or like, uh, like what, I know this is a personal project that mm-hmm. is just out there, but, uh, so what, to what extent did you, uh, do you support it? And, um, uh, do you have other committers and stuff? I don't have a whole lot of time, but I try and <laughs> if someone, you know, bug reports are very helpful if they can be very specific. Um, I did have yeah two couple of co- people collaborate with helped me a lot. Uh, N0NB helped some. Uh, NO3M added a lot of features to the program, which is very useful. Um, so that that was useful. Okay. In general, I, I don't get a lot of comments about it. I don't. There's not many people using the program seriously, <laughs> except for me. <laughs> NO3M well, I mean, was, was maybe the, maybe the other most active contester using it. Yeah, no, I'm always I'm always looking at unique uh, contest uh, contest software. So this is this is like right up my alley for for looking at stuff. So what is the uh, so we were talking about databases I think before the call and uh, what kind of what kind of storage mechanism does it use for storing the uh, log? Uh, it's just, it's just SQLite. Okay, good. That's basically that's it. I mean, you could. could, I think that you know, there's programs that will look. Will you can that will open an SQLite database. You can use one of those and look at the log file if you want. Yes, that actually is perfect. (laughs) That makes it so much easier for for people to interact with the logs after the fact and stuff like that. Right. So it doesn't need any kind of you know database server or anything. It's just it's it's self-contained. Fully self-contained. Awesome. Um. So yeah. So so. Since it is a personal project, and uh, you know, not too many people you say are using it, um, what kind of uh, what kind of future development kind of roadmap, uh, if any, is there for uh, SO2R, SO2SDR? Um, well, I you know, I continually to, slowly to add um, new contests, and I've been adding features to it slowly. Like the you know, the two keyboard thing is relatively new. Um, the, I would like to add more types of SDRs to it. Um, you know, some things would be nice. I don't think I'm gonna ever get to it. Like you know, be able to, to use it for a multi-op contest, but that's would require a lot of changes. Yeah. So uh, so you're, you're open to other people kind of maybe coming in here. You can possibly even fork it um, if people wanted to customize it beyond the scope of uh, what you'd want to. Uh, yeah, if they, if they can understand what I did, but that's... Well, currently there's three forks, so... Okay. <laughs> so it has been forked. <laughs> I was just seeing who forked it. <laughs> no, I don't want to fork it. I want to see who forked it. There it is. <laughs> Stop talking about forking, for crying out loud. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's no, something man. I've done in my free time, which I often don't have much of, so it's... Uh, <laughs> And it's now, you know, it's, it's, when did I put this out? In 2010, so it's been out there a while. Um, well, it's, it's 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 aged. It's it's nice. It's a, it's a, not a brand new thing. It's up to version two, two point five point one four. So right. So it's a it's a mature product, as we like to say. It's not an MVP. I get, you know, I do. You know, I use it for all my own contesting, except you know, if I'm doing multi-op, then I use N1MM. Okay. Um, but pretty much everything I operate, I you know, I use it. Oh wait, but you but you said you're running this on Linux. You're not running N1MM on Linux, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> I know, I know, I do the same. Get a multi-op contest logger. If you turn SO2 SDR into it, you'll be the bell of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. 
okay, so we I think we kind of covered SO2 SDR uh, pretty much uh, straight through. Is there any other uh, cool projects that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, this, I mean, I, I do various hardware projects. So I've been building amplifiers, um, built a GPS discipline oscillator recently. So I build stuff for my station, basically. <laughs> a true hobbyist uh, all over the place. That's but at least great. You're publishing open source software, even if it's just your own personal code. So that's that's nice to give something uh, somebody a foundation to jump off of if they want to, you know, work with it. Yeah, there's not a, yeah, there haven't been a lot of contest logging software. There's been a lot of free contest logging software, but not much which is open source. Yeah, you have no idea how much that's that's the number one question we get asked anytime we go anywhere is. What's the best contest logging software for Linux? And we, of course, don't have an answer. So, still, well, still the other one is yeah, TR for Linux right now. That's um, well. I, again, I used TR log for a long time, and then uh, Tree made, op- made it open source. Oh, we're gonna have to look at that. We've talked about TR in the past, but it's been again some some time. So we'll have to revisit. Okay. Well, he's been he's been doing some recent work on it. So uh, you should yeah take a look at it. Yeah, definitely will. Alrighty. Uh, anything else uh, that you can think of, Russ, that I have not covered? Well, I actually think you did a wonderful job, and uh, we got lots of information. I, I I did some cursory looking up for the SO2 Arduino thing, but I couldn't find what you were looking for. So, oh, anything else besides the the contest journal uh, entry? Yeah, I should mention. Yeah, I I did write. There's an NCJ article which I wrote on this about this um i forgot what year it was but that's out there i'm gonna i'm looking it up real quick so keep talking (laughs) (laughs) okay there's also yeah if you can find you can look up a video on youtube of me explaining it uh the the deep dixie contest i i have a link to that that will be in the show notes i did i did find that when i was doing some research for the show Right. That that explains the, kind of the reason that the whole thing. It's hard to, on an audio show to to de, to demonstrate to show why what I do with the pine adapter, which is different. And I will get a link to this NCJ article. It was published in September of 2019. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. By uh, Al Dewey K0AD. So, yep, I'll make sure this is linked in as well, so people can read that. Alrighty. So, anything else that we have missed in this conversation that you'd like to share? Uh, I can't think of what else. Uh, how would people get a hold of you besides, uh, or anything you'd like to share, um, socials or social media stuff, or uh, just the uh, just the GitHub page for people getting a hold of you? Yeah, email is fine. I'm not, yeah, really on any of the social media. Um, but yeah, they can, you know. I have actually the, I have an email address just for this program, but there's also one on like qrz.com. I have my e- email there. Oh, okay, yeah, the uh, so2sdr at gmail.com. Right, that's I kind of set up just for you know questions for about support. this program. Okay, awesome. So people can definitely uh, get a hold of you there. Check out the uh, the GitHub page and the uh, GitHub website. I and... think there's actually an email list for this for so2sdr. Oh, really? Is it on groups.io or is it somewhere else? Yes. Yeah. Cool. I, I'm, I'm putting all this stuff in here. so <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have all kinds of notes in this. This is great. 
So this is exactly why we do these dives and uh, interviews, so we can find out more about the stuff that we don't know anything about, apparently. <laughs> um, this is great. Um, I, I don't have any other items here for this particular topic, Russ. Did you have I got nothing else, honestly, but we can send it out to the live listeners if anybody has a question they want to ask or just say something rude. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we, we know how our listeners are, right? <laughs> right, yeah. we got a few of them in there listening, so uh, we'll just give them a second to uh, put any questions in there. In the meantime, I will uh, I will definitely say thank you for accepting the invitation to come on here and talk about it. I know uh, we, we tried uh, last month, but you were tied up. And of course, we had the holiday and everything else, and uh, I'm glad we finally got this to uh, uh, to happen. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on and telling us all about the project, and hopefully you'll get a few more uptakers. You know, now that now that some folks have heard about it, and if nothing else, I'm I'm gonna like put in a feature request to uh, see if you can work on that library thing. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Opt. Yeah. So this is an old enough program that no one was was using Opt when I when I wrote this. Yeah, I, I, I'm one of those stupid people who likes to use Opt instead of user local, but. I, I was uh, using Opt back in the uh, SunOS days. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, it, it all carries through. Darren, by the way, says, nope, he's all good, but this will prompt him to try it. So there you go. Okay. You, get, <laughs> you got one from uh, Australia trying it. So cool. This would be, be kind of neat. Um, yeah, well, uh, thank you for uh, for coming on. We have, uh, we're going to do some feedback and stuff like that that we normally do to wrap the end of the show. But uh this has been uh, a great chat about SO2 SDR, the ham radio contest logging program written here by uh, Torsten Clay, N4OGW. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks again. You can uh, hang out, you know, listen to the end of the show if you want, or uh, feel free to like <laughs> go do something interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I've got to get out of here. So, but yeah, it's good. Nice to talk to you guys. All right. Yeah, thank nice you so to meet much. you. Thanks a lot. All right, very good. So thanks once again to Torsten and 4OGW for, for talking about SO2 SDR. Sounds like an interesting project. I'm definitely going to work with it some more. I really want to get to the point where I can see that pan adapter, and I'm just going to like not futz around with HamLib and, and just sort of get into it, get my RTL SDR working and see how it works. Yeah, that'd be interesting if it can connect up to the TCP connection that you can make with the RTL SDR. Uh, definitely be playing around with that. And, of course, anything we find out about the program, we'll let everybody know for sure. So stay tuned for that, and thanks for listening. But we'll go ahead and get to our announcements and feedback and our and our Patreons and subscribers here before we wrap up the show. And I guess I'm doing it tonight since Cheryl's not going to be here. Uh, announcements and feedback, we will not be recording on July 31st and August 7th. So there's going to be a little bit of a break in the show because I will be up in New England visiting my parents for a week or so. And... Uh, I've, I've tried, I've, I've said that I was going to record even while I was up in New Hampshire and then it always sort of falls through because I forget or I don't have the opportunity or whatever. So I've just decided that we're not going to do it and we'll move our next short topics episode to August 14th. So sorry, there's going to be a little bit of a break in the program. Hope you, uh, allow us a little bit of latitude and we'll catch up with you in three weeks time. We appreciate that. And before we go, let's do our new subscribers, supporters, and live participants. On Facebook, we had Y08TNB, Wachara Amasiri, which is now going to be my new, like, nickname for everything. 
<laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Helton, Rick Nutt, George Kirshner. Or that's probably Jorge. I said George. Wow. I, I'm <laughs> Jorge Kirshner and Jeffrey King. On Twitter, we had Linux Sis at, uh, 666. Yeah. There. That's a handle. Yeah. Uh, Discord, we had Dingo Man. And for the live chat, we had Darren with us tonight, VK60K, Tony, K4XSS, Ted, WA0EIR, and Don, KB2YSI. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you learned a little something. And maybe give SO2SDR a try. And in three weeks' time, we'll be back with a short topics episode. We hope to hear from you then. And in the meantime, our Discord is out there. Everything's on the website, lhspodcast.info. So uh, stay in touch while we're taking a little break, and we'll be back with you very, very soon. In the meantime, this has been episode number 476 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX for the absent W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-NHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.